Well, what a state of origin series we had. It was a series full of its ups and downs, frills and spills, and in a few knockouts and an all-in brawl. Yep, that's what state of origin's all about. AJ and Reese recap a dramatic decider, which saw Queensland lift the shield for the first time since 2020. This is the League Saints look at the origin decider. Welcome everyone to the League Scenes Look at State of Origin 3. As New South Wales choked yet another series and Queensland cemented a famous victory at home. I'm AJ Luke Antonio, contributor of the League Unlimited website and the Front Row Program. Joining me as always, nothing but League contributor, Reese Sullivan. Reese, nice to have you here and you must oh. be over the moon. Mate, I, if you ever told me after game two that that's how Queensland would have gone in the decider, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed you, but you know... Absolutely phenomenal effort by the Maroons to get that win. Down to 15 players for effectively 77 minutes. Mm-hmm. And to walk away with the win in the fashion they did with the dominant second half that they had. Yeah, I'm definitely over the moon, mate. Must be. And as a New South Wales fan, it's easy to point fingers. And I've seen people on the Twitter sphere do that already this week, which is disappointing. But at the end of the day, I think there was enough opportunity for New South Wales to get up last night. And at the end of the day, execution was lacking across the board. And there was some disappointment had amongst us in the New South Wales realms last (laughs) night. But at the end of the day, I think that it was a brilliant origin series. And we had Queensland do the underdog status in Sydney. Then we also had New South Wales bounce back in fine fashion in Perth. And then, obviously, we had the ferocious start here. So we're going to actually start talking about this game a little bit more now. I can't recall an origin being more physical in that fashion since we got rid of the punch. Even before we got rid of the punches, I don't remember, you know... Well, first of all, I don't remember any game where three players got knocked out in the first five minutes. Neither do I. Um, but, yeah, it seemed like both sides came out with the intention to dominate the other physically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the knockouts came very inadvertently. It wasn't any key shots. It wasn't any, you know, player comes in for a tackle and cops an arm to the head. It was all very inadvertent stuff, but they were just throwing themselves into every tackle, trying to make an impact. And mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Cam Murray, Selwyn Cobbo, and Lindsay Collins all came off second best in those impacts. But, you know, the effort they put into those tackles can't go unnoticed. No, it can't go unnoticed. But I do want to bring up a point now about Cameron Murray. That's his second straight origin where he's had to go off for a HIA. And in this world of, as far as injuries are concerned, especially head knocks, how concerned would you be as a South Sydney fan, as a New South Wales and as an Australian supporter that these concussions are happening? And I know that you might be thinking, oh, AJ's going off because he's a Roosters supporter. And it's not just that. I mean, I've seen Cords, Friendy, and potentially now Luke Keary have to go by the wayside due to medical retirement. And it's not a good position to be in. And I think Cam Murray does have that slight concussion history, but I think in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I think as a South fan, you're definitely concerned because they need him for this run home. It's tough, as we touched on on Monday. If they want to fight for 8th or 7th, they have to have Cam Murray on their side. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, he has had had a little bit of origin history, um, concussion history and origins. Obviously, game two had to go off of the HIA, and now what's happened in game three. But, you know, there is a difference between him and what Corden has gone through, what Jake Friend went through, and now what Luke here is going through. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those guys had repeated, confirmed concussions. Yeah. 
Whereas Murray, he went off for the HIA in game two, but was able to come back on. This one, it, I don't even know if it was confirmed or not because it was considered cat one, so he can't go back on. Yeah. He might have ended up passing the HIA anyway, though. So, yeah. All three of the knocks were confirmed cat ones. Yeah, okay. And that takes them out of, unless they're miracle workers and get through the protocols quickly, that would take yeah. them out of this weekend's round of football. Yeah, exactly. Um. To be fair, Cobo wasn't named in the Brisbane extended squad at all. But you got the likes of Lindsay and Cam in particular that will miss their games against yeah. Dragons and the Bulldogs, and then respectively. Also, and then also question mark around Matty Burden with the cheekbone. Yeah, we'll get to that incident in just a moment. But then Selwyn Cobo got hit. There was on for young and old again. Jerome Luai decided to be a big brain moron and stand over the top. Now, as much as we praise players for the way that they play the game and the intensity and the emotion that's on the line. I really, really hated this. There is a pretty thick line between playing the game with intensity and then doing what Luai did last night. Yeah. I think, you know, first of all, just standing over Cobo was extremely disrespectful, extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. But then to talk shit to him while he's knocked out on the floor, you know, that's just completely idiotic. And I don't think there's any place for that in the game of footy. A hundred percent. And I think it almost reminded me a little bit of what Jai Arrow did to uh, James Tedesco back in 2020. So do you think that the Broncos might be after a bit of retribution for when that, their next game comes? Maybe. But I think... I think it is different to the Tedesco incident in the fact that Arrow was the one who made the hit. Yes. Luai didn't do anything in the play. He just acted like a dickhead. Exactly. Again, so for Broncos people, if you like me listening, just do not do what Daniel Saluka for Fina did. Yes, let's not go there. (laughs) Imagine the first training session of them two going at it. Oh, man. That... I would love to be a fly on the wall in Redfern. Yeah, be an interesting video session. But um, this then, a minute later, I was doing the updates on this game for League Unlimited, and you'd start the clock, and then you'd have to stop it 10 seconds later because there was another concussion. The first five minutes was so frantic working the system. <laughs> but, hey, I loved it. It was a really rewarding experience. Lindsay Collins, of course, was the next man to go after – coming off second best in a bit of contact, he wouldn't return. And it put a lot of pressure on Queensland's bench. And you look at the likes of Tino, who was moved strategically by Billy Slater, uh, Tom Gilbert in his origin debut, who I thought was very impressive on that left hand, I'm sorry, on that right-hand edge in particular for Queensland as well. But I want to touch on New South Wales' kicking game here because for a lot of that first half, to me, it appeared Queensland had them buried in a corner coming out of yardage. But your marker pressure, mate, was absolutely unreal. Kat Carrigan, uh, Benny Hunt, they were just going after the kickers and the kicking game was quite poor. Yeah, well, we got back to doing what we did in game one. Yeah. In game one, we attacked the kickers and forced them under pressure. Game two, you guys did a really good job at setting up blocks, which really impeded the runners. And then as the game wore on, Queensland got more and more tired, less and less intensity attacking the kickers. But yeah, I remember opening kick of the game, uh, Collins absolutely monstered clearing. Yeah. So maybe you guys got a little bit lucky that he did get knocked out pretty quickly. Otherwise, that might have been the theme of the whole game. <laughs> um, Indeed it was. But then you had um, the kick that went dead in goal. That led yeah, to that was the... a very poor error there by Cleary. That, that, obviously, that, yeah. Obviously, he made up for it with the grubber for the Luai try. But... But there's no such thing as a true makeup in Origin. Even if you are able to do the play you did and get it right, you can't afford to get it as wrong as Cleary did. A lot was said about the Penrith connection coming back in with Matt Burden on that left-hand edge. But one thing I noticed, that left-hand edge defensively sucked. Oh, massively. Kirk Capewell, of all people, was beating Burden and Toto on the outside. And respect Captain Capes. 
right? Um, I'm respecting him. I'm just, I'm, it's more of a dig at Birdo and Toto than it is at Capewell. Look, Capewell is a mismatch at center. We saw that in the 2020 series. 21. Oh, no, 2020. Oh, I fit both series because he was at center in 2021 as well. Oh, yeah. Um, well, 2021, he was a lot less effective at center. Mm-hmm. But when Capewell's able to get into space, he has the speed to be able to keep up with other centers and then has a side to, overpower, side to overpower them. But, yeah, the fact that New South Wales don't have an offensive center, in my opinion, that is very alarming. Especially it's alarming because, in my opinion, the defensive specialist was the 18th man, Jack Warden. Especially, on top of that, when you consider if Queensland are running their normal back five and Selwyn Cover is not knocked out, having Tor and Crichton, and even you could throw Luai there, having to defend against Capewell, uh, Val Holmes and Selwyn Cobo, it's always going to be a mismatch. And Queensland love to spread it wide. You know, it's not like Queensland go up in the middle too often. That's why you don't pick a defensive center. You know they're going to go wide. You have to be ready for it, in my opinion. And it's just one of those head-scratching selections by New South Wales where we've seen them so many times go all-out attack. And now this is the second time in three years they've been burnt by it. As a Roosters fan, I'm used to Brad Fittler making some stupid selection decisions. We lived with Brayford Astor at fullback. We lived with that experiment. Don't laugh. I'm, I'm still pissed about that. Yeah, but true. one of those breaks from Kurt Capel led to a chip and chase, which obviously off the next tackle, Daniel Tupo was driven back into the in goal. You built some pressure and Tommy Dearden, Linked up with his Cowboys teammate, Val Holmes, stepped inside of a poor attempt to tackle by Stephen Crichton for the first try of the evening. And it just seemed to me Tommy Dearden, with all the drama surrounding Cameron Munster and COVID, he just seemed so comfortable within that Queensland system. He's been in the extended squad for the first two games. And do you think that experience of being amongst the squad for those first two games really helped him? It definitely helped him. Um, It also helps when you're being coached at training every session by Alan Langer and Jonathan Thurston. You know, you can't exactly understate that. We can't. Um, but yeah, I think the best thing that could have happened to Dearden was all the drama with Munster. And then Slater also shielding him with the will-he-won't-he of Ben Hunt potentially moving into the halves. Mm-hmm. That definitely helped him as well. And it basically just, you know, one hour before the game was when it was confirmed Dearden would be starting. New South Wales had very little time to implement a game plan around attacking dead and attacking the rookie. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, it allowed him to come out and just play naturally. He didn't have to deal with any sort of pressure from New South Wales or any sustained pressure from New South Wales, I should say. Yeah. And it really helped him get into a rhythm. And then obviously picking up the early try assist to Val Holmes, it really set the tempo for the rest of the game. It did, but I think your set after points though was shocking. It was shit because you yeah, have think... the poor pass to did in which he has to recover basically on his own in goal. You struggle yeah. to get out of your territory. DC puts in a kick, and Teddy has to is already back inside your end of the field. Yeah, that really flipped the momentum. Um, both sides made a lot of mistakes, but Queensland seemed to make mistakes at the worst time possible, and you know. If New South Wales wanted to get back into the game, that was the perfect moment. And, you know, they, they pretty much did. Yeah, it was a clever kick from, from Nathan Cleary. Good pursuit by Jerome Luay. Stumbled a little bit throughout the end goal. He did remarkably well to ground that football and get New South Wales back into the contest. But from there, we had a bit of a stalemate for a while. Of course, uh, New South Wales had the try taken off them when Apisai Coruscant was inside the ten. And then you had the forward pass from Dearden to Oates. Probably his only mistake all night, Tom Dearden. But I just can't believe the commentary from Andrew Johns. Oh, that's flat. (laughs) Yeah, even even with my maroon tinted glasses on, I could see pretty clearly that was was forward. But at the end of the day, the touch judge was right in line with it. So it isn't even like I can go back to the one what was it, from game two, where the referee overruled the touchdown to call it forward? Yes. I can't even use that excuse. Yeah, it was a good decision. 
from Drew Ultram, the Tachi in his second Origin match. Very good, yeah. Very good. Very, the, very it, good. I think the officiating crew had an outstanding Origin series, and it's it was a good thing that last night's game we didn't have to talk about it because that's what football should be about. You shouldn't have to be looking for the referee and saying and pinpointing one little 50-50 call that went against him. Look back at your team's performance and think, oh, if we did this better, this better, this better, we could have won. Don't well, blame we, the referee. We, I, mean, I mean, Fickler is trying to. Is he? Did he seriously have a blow-up about the sim bin? Yes. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, Jesus. I, I don't understand it. At some point, you have to stop blaming the referee. Yeah, like, seriously, grow up. But, um, we'll get into that when it happened, so... Yeah, from there, Jacob Saifidi came on. A lot of criticism, including... Hang on, did we touch on the Saifidi inclusion on Monday? Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Sorry, my bad. Uh, I just had to get my brain recollection. But we all owe him an apology. He had an outstanding impact in his first stint. Ran over the top. I think he turned Jeremiah Nana into a speed bump on his first impact. Yes, he did. I remember and, that I mean, we all know this season, Jeremiah Nanai is a little bit of a speed bump. Well, with he his, can be. Sometimes he'll put a good shot on, but most of the time he's a speed bump. With his poor defensive stats. But he crashed over for what appeared to be a vital try. About 10 minutes to go in the first half, he ran on a beautiful ball, back in on the inside, and he just ran straight and hard and put it down under the sticks. And from there, you kind of had that feeling that it was going to be like game two in Perth, Queensland. We're kind of hanging on to the contest. New South Wales grabbed a try, and he just kind of expected them to roll on with it. But again, big mistakes down the own end. Jake Trebojevic runs a poor uh, line, which leads to an obstruction. Poor kick chase on Burden's um, bomb that nearly took out a Jet Star plane. It was a high boy, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that probably came down with snow on it. Yeah, but at least this time the camera was able to track its whole trajectory. Yes. Um, unlike the one in Perth. It, it was huge. And you saw Ponga didn't want a bar of it. And well, poor Corey he, Oates. He had, Ponga had to race 50 metres across the field to try and catch it. And he still ended up two or three metres short. That's how much it drifted in midair. The bounce favoured him. We'll, we'll say that. The bounce yeah. was definitely favourable. If that bounced backwards and went back to New South Wales, this game could be very much different. But... Off the next set, Daniel Tupo tries. I don't know why he played at this football. Maybe if he had his foot on the sideline and touched it, I don't know what on earth he was thinking. But all momentum swung back Queensland's way. Two set restarts. And I want to thank my friend Sean Dolan as Catro um, for giving me this line in my live update. Great 360 no-scope grubber kick from Harry Grant. Wasn't it? <laughs> It was it was amazing. Like he knew exactly what he was doing too. It wasn't like he went to dart open side and then realized it was shut, turned back and improvised. He knew by turning to the open side, he'd draw Tedesco away from the ruck and then allow him to put the grubber in. You know what? Outside of that one um one semi-final against Canberra, Tedesco really doesn't make mistakes with grubber kicks. No. So he knew he had to get the desk out of the way. You know, a bit of luck with it coming off Luai's yep. knee and yep. dropping even further behind the New South Wales defensive line. Mm-hmm. But then excellent chase by Capewell to get there first. I want to play that clip from video game. Get no scoped! Mom, get the camera! <laughs> <laughs> but, um... We talk about urgency before we came on Pong again to that kick. Do you think Matt Burden and Brian Toto could have been a little bit more urgent getting to that football? Because to me, they just seemed very pedestrian-like. I think they weren't expecting... Well, New South Wales watched the kick. They weren't expecting the hit off Luai's knee. Mm-hmm. Whereas Queensland were expecting the kick to go deeper. I think Grant actually mishit it. And it went too shallow. So... They've seen it go shallow, so they've stopped sort of on the goal line to try and sort of just field it, like, in the slips. Mm-hmm. And then once it's hit Luai's knee, the advantage has gone to Queensland, who are already chasing deep for it. 100%. Holmes missed the conversion, and we went to halftime 12-10. I put in my Origin Live update to kick off the second half. 
let's get ready to Origin Rumble. Well, we didn't have to wait too long for that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the most surprising thing of Origin. I didn't expect to see that. You had um, Tommy and Artie were up in the heavens and they they must have been a cattle dog call. There had to have been a cattle dog call. Had to be. But, um, yeah, Dane Gagai decided to take out Matt Burden after he believed Kalen Ponga was illegally obstructed following his breakup field to start the second half. And Daly Cherry Evans, 40, grabbed a try. But back up field, Matt Burden and Dane Gagai decided to participate in the worst boxing match of the year. Yeah, I think referee stopped it by TKO about three punches in. <laughs> but at Seriously. the end of the day... Seriously, Matt Burden's been lucky that he's been surrounded by guys from Mount Druitt for most of his career because the dude cannot box. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but anyway, um, Luke Brooks is a better boxer than, Dane, than Matt Burden because at least Brooks got one on freaking Gagai's chin. <laughs> yeah. Look, but... I, like, I do like how Cherry Evans put it out that the New South Wales players had been tracking back straight through Queensland players all series. That yeah, is Ashley Klein's just like, yeah, nah, I'm not interested. But if you noticed, New South Wales didn't do that again for the entire rest of the game. Yeah, so he must have so, been on to something. Ga- what Gagai did, worked. It scared, I think it might have scared the New South Wales players into actually, you know, actively avoiding the Queensland players. Yeah, 100%. But Tino Fasua Malawali, um, I think lucky not to spend some time in the sim bin for doing the uh, Trent Waterhouse-esque move on that burden. Okay, let me let me put it this way. I think Tino was trying to break up the fight. But? The problem was Button was clinging onto Gagai, which made it even worse for him because Tino had his right hand pinned. His left hand was on Gagai's jersey, and Gagai was still throwing punches. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it looked worse on Tina than it actually was. I think most yeah. of that comes to the fact that Dustin was really trying to get into it. 100%. And then um, we went through a period. Um, Queensland fought they kicked back with Josh Papalee, but Jeremiah Nanai knocked it into Brian Zotter. And... From there forward, it just seemed like New South Wales were hanging in the contest. And eventually that leads to fatigue and mistakes. And Jerome Luai threw possibly the worst pass at the worst moment to CSC for Talakai. And it went over the sideline. From there, Kurt Capewell was channeling his inner Russell Wilson and threw a touchdown pass to Dane Gagai. <laughs> yep. Beautiful pass from Capewell, to be fair. The problem was he was wide open. Forward. It was great improvisation from Capewell, except for the fact it went forward. We just needed but the Joe Buck commentary. That's a pass. <laughs> Touchdown. And caught by Tyree. <laughs> <laughs> but from there, Caleb Ponga really... Started to come into contest. New South Wales clearly fatigued from the amount of effort that they've had to do in defence. And from there, Ben Hunt scurries out a dummy half and times a perfectly kicked 40-20. This man has shrugged off the biggest monkey off a player's back in history. And that was the 2015 Grand Final. Well and truly now. Fucking remind me. I, I had to say it for the point of this. Sorry, Reese. But... I think he shrugged off the big monkey, and I think at the end of the day, he is one of the game's best playmakers. Yeah, I think right now, with the form he's in, he has a he has a shout to be the best player in the world. He um, does. That that's a, that's not a that's not a shit suggestion. Not even just what he's doing on Origin, what he's doing with the dragons to drag them into this top race. Yeah, he's, no. he was in the lead of the Dally M's before they've gone quite. He's in the lead of our League Unlimited Player of the Year competition. I believe he's in the League of the Nothing But League one as well. He's, he's, he's had a great year. He's had a really good year. And you look back and a lot of people think, oh, the Dally M sucks, this, that, the other. But when the Dragons are winning, it's off the back of Ben Hunt. So, of course, yeah. he's going to poll free every time that they win. 
yeah, exactly. It's not like, well, you saw when Cleary lost it to Whiten. That was because the Panthers just had so many other players who were able to take points off Cleary every single week. Exactly, exactly, this exactly. Time, Dragons win. Autom- almost automatically, you give the three points to Ben Hunt. Yeah. So from there, Stephen Crichton, in his infinite wisdom, decides to throw the worst offload I have ever seen. The worst pass at Suncorp Stadium I have seen since Sean Kenny Dow decided to be a fucking idiot and throw now a cutout Broncos, pass on the... As, as a Broncos fan in 2020 and 2021, I've seen some worse passes, to be fair. But <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I was trying to cheer you up after what I said before. Yeah, you did. But then I remembered the fact that I had to watch... Um, what's his J- face? Jamil Hobbawadi. Half for us for two years with nothing else happening. I was going to say some of the offloads Jamil Hopawadi threw, but... Well, that didn't help. Either. Also, <laughs> also early career Pat Carrigan had some very bad offloads. Hey, he's, he's come good though, that young kid. Oh, he has come very good. Um, but one of my back onto the game. Right back onto the game. Off the back of the goal line dropout. James Tedesco makes two great try savers in a row, but unfortunately... Stephen Crichton's error came back to bite. Ponga beat Talakai, beat a poor attempt to tackle from Jerome Luan. Tedesco tries in all of his might to get there, but it's not enough. And Queensland shoot back to the lead in 16-12. From there, Talakai decides to face Caxton Street to play the football. Like, I don't get it. Just get up, face the other in goal, play the football. I... He was trying to milk a penalty. That's why. And and a lot of people in the nine commentary said, oh, it should have been a changeover. No, that's if it's a roll ball. When it's not, you, when you play the ball straight, not straight, it's a penalty. Yeah. Ashley Klein got it 100% right and stopped having a whinge nine. Yeah. I will say, though, Go on. I was having flashbacks to game two with all the penalties given to New South Wales and Queensland Rocket Frisbans. When I heard the whistle go and I see Talakai hit the deck, my immediate first thought was it was a penalty in New South Wales. So I was pleasantly surprised to see the replay and see that he was basically staring at a Queensland fan in the back of the stadium. Yeah, I thought he dropped it too. But then obviously, uh, Cherry Evans, his grabber kicks in the end goal. It's, could it be safe to say weren't their best in the second half? No, I think Queensland's red zone selection was really poor in the second half. We had so many chances down there, but we couldn't capitalize outside of some Caelan Ponga magic. And, 100%. And, um, and go on. We easily put the game to bed by about the 70th minute. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk we, through one of those opportunities. We'll talk through one of those opportunities now. And we've got another entrant to the sideways Olympics, CSC Vitalikai. Yep. He joins was... Dylan Edwards on the start line. So sideline to sideline, obviously. Not not the 100 metre, it's the 54 metre. Yeah. Sorry, Nat, we have to do it. We have to do it. <laughs> yeah, traditions. traditions. It's traditions. We started this meme back when? 2020? 2020, yeah. We started the meme at the Sideways Olympics. <laughs> back when Dylan Edwards was still a handbrake. He's, he's, he's a lot better now. After some of the things I've read on Twitter, they reckon he could be in the New South Wales side. <laughs> but... A bit hard on Tedesco, but okay. After the... Tedesco kind of... I saw a tweet today, actually. James Tedesco reminds people of LeBron James. He's a brilliant player, but doesn't get the accolades that he really deserves because people expect him to be great at every turn. And also because other players in his team let him down. Exactly. And we'll get on to one of those now. Because Harry Grant went over to score and Reese was over the moon, but then there was, some, there was just one slight problem, wasn't there? Yeah, um, Tedesco was sort of just lying underneath him the entire time. <laughs> you know? He, wow. I, the speed with which Tedesco could get under there and wrap that ball up, mm-hmm. very, very insane, I must say. 100%, my friend. But then from there, in the last two minutes of the game, Nathan Cleary goes for the desperation ship. Ben Hunt runs the best part of 70 metres to put his name into origin folklore and win the match for Queensland. The, um, the emotion there 
I could imagine at your place would have been amazing. Me and my brother screamed. Like Cam Smith? We screamed when he caught it. Stopped screaming at about the 30-meter line. Watched him run at home. And the moment he put the ball down, we started screaming again. <laughs> so, you know, I think we both might have had some bad memories there. But, well, obviously with Ben Hunt and drops. But he held on to this one. Yeah. Now, before well, we get into... Seen, I have seen at least one New South Wales fan suggest he bobbled the ball to Cleary when he caught it. Not going to lie to you, that was one of my first thoughts. Same. Same. From the replay, it showed he caught it, got his hand back under it, which explains why the ball bobbled, and then turned it away from where Cleary was. Yeah, not taking anything away from Ben Hunt. He was absolutely outstanding. But we do have a problem before we get into our power player rankings. Channel 9 football. Here we go. This is, this is what we've all been waiting for. We have to put up with this shit four times a year because we don't want to – because Channel 9 have to supply this under the anti-siphoning rules. Seriously, just put the games on Fox because these are the problems that I have with Channel 9 football, and there'll be more. But let's go through them. Mid-game coaching interviews. Fuck them off now. Like, seriously. I get you employ both Fitler and, and Slater, but just stop. And they ask the dumbest questions too. As, I thought Matt Thompson called a really good game, but his interviewing skills need to pick up. Yeah. He had a really good origin debut series, I thought, Matt Thompson. He did, obviously. A lot of pressure. Obviously, Obviously, he's not Rabs. Obviously. Uh, he'll never be Rabs. But you have to put up with what you got. And Matt Thompson, he did really well. I'll mm-hmm. give him his flowers. He did really well. Uh, at times, unbearable commercials. If I have to hear that fucking menu log thing one more time. Mm. Uh, ding dong. Ring a ring. Sing your yeah. song. <laughs> yeah. And the commentary is unbearable too. Joey's temper tantrum. Joey's temper tantrum. <laughs> oh my god! And then he went off air. They showed a camera. I need to have the clip and have the friggin' sound of silence thing over the top. <laughs> um, this is just a nitpick because I do the stuff for League Unlimited. No try confirmed graphic. Yeah. Like. I just use it so I can make sure I put it in the system right and just put it there. I had to wait so long to press it when I saw Val or Cleary line up for the conversion. Yeah, I think the capo one especially because you could sort of see that he got the ball down. Yeah. But at the same time, we know how often those ones get overturned for downward pressure. Yeah, 100%. So, it sucks when you don't know the tries confirmed until you see the player lining up for the conversion. 100%. And the big one, they still employ Gus. I mean, yeah, that is a bit of an issue, isn't it? Yeah. Anything else I've missed there, you think, my friend? Um, I would say stop doing ads going. So there were a couple times where they put the game into a smaller box and then and into a bigger box. I do not like that. You did him in the picture in picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, um, I'm, it works in other sports, but it doesn't work in... It yeah. works for like supercars or F1, but it doesn't work for Yeah, this. exactly. Exactly. But we're going to move on to our report card. It's our most popular segment on the league scene, Barber Tank Bowl and Lol Cow of the Week. But we're going to kick off with Queensland first as they're the home side. Caitlin Ponga, 10. Yes. I think, personally, the Newcastle Knights need to go to The Hague for what they're doing to Caitlin Ponga's career. <laughs> and we saw, we saw it firsthand last night, how good he actually is. You put the right pieces around him. Yeah, he and is a genius. He is a great big smart. 100%. Um, just so we can clear this up, we're not going to give the free concussed players a ranking. So that's Selwyn Cobbo, Lindsay Collins, and Cam Murray. They didn't play over five minutes. So that's why we're not going to give them a rating. So if we miss over a player, that's probably the reason why. Mm-hmm. 
So we're going to move on from Cobbo. Val Holmes, I gave an eight, grabbed a good try, sold in defense all night. Yep, exactly. The ball didn't come out to his side too much mm-hmm. um, throughout the course of the game, but when it did, he always seemed to be finding oats on overlaps as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Gagai gave a five. Uh, he didn't have to do much. He was out on the wing. Cape obviously got the glory at centre. Came down that side when he had his individual points to get a try. Gagai was still just left in the dark. There, there was the one play where his positioning was a bit poor. He was too narrow, and it led to the pass going over everyone's head and over the sideline. Ah, uh, yep. Uh, Cobb would have been out on obviously like out towards the sideline, but Gagai was in a bit too narrow. Yeah. But other than that, I thought he was solid but not spectacular. Uh, Corey Oates, I gave a six. Good carries coming off his own end. Didn't really get involved. Wasn't really involved much as far as the attacking phase is concerned. And overall, I thought had a solid game. Good in defense as well. Yeah, I think the thing with Oates is he really doesn't take advantage of overlaps. And this is this is the same at club level. You know, he gets overlapped, but he'll either be too slow to fully um, get ahead of the other winger or he'll cut it back inside. And I think we saw that come. Um, in the game, which really error in my opinion as a winger, but at the end of the day, Queensland probably didn't need him to do too many overlaps because New South Wales' edge defense on the left edge, which is where, or oh, sorry, right edge for New South Wales, was relatively strong. It was just the left edge where they had their issues. Uh, Tom did, and I gave a seven. Solid origin to boot from him. Yep, definitely. Uh, uh, DCE, yeah. I gave a six. We are touching on the poor kicking game just before. That's probably why it goes from a seven to a six. Not really. I'll give him an eight. I thought his kicking game, especially in the second half, really dictated the tempo of it. It forced New South Wales to play out of field position rather than just being able to use their forwards to overpower Queensland and get them in a bad position to kick from. I think the second tackle kick he did was absolutely oh, genius. genius. It was genius because it caught New South Wales very much off guard. They didn't have time to recover. Um, and he was engaging the line as well. 100%. I thought, I thought it's the best game I've ever... One of the better games I've seen DCE play, especially in Queensland, Jersey. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you're picking the Australian team right now, DCE or Cleary for halfback? I would still lean with Cleary, but DCE is definitely right up there. Okay. Ben Hunt, nine. Yeah. Solid for me. Picked up a good try. The 40-20 we touched on as well. Uh, Josh Papali'i, I gave a six. Probably his best game all series. Yeah, I agree. He he had to play. He still only played 33 minutes. Oh, did he? Jesus. That, that's the crazy thing. His minutes didn't go up despite the fact Queensland were down to two players on the bench. But he walked away with much more contribution than he had in the first two games. 100% he did. Um, Kurt Capel, 7. Yeah, I'm fair with that. Probably took him out of his rhythm a bit having to play 7. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, and um, he got the try and a couple yep. of line breaks as well. So, uh, Jeremiah, Nanai, 6. Nanai, 6, yep. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, Pat Carrigan, I gave an 8. Yep, Definitely. Had to play 67 minutes, 20 carries, 130 metres, 50 post-contact metres, 47 tackles as well. Fair effort. Yeah, very, very strong effort. Uh, Tino, I gave a six. Yeah, probably probably affected by the high tackle. Yeah, the, the, the fair play aspects dropped it down for me. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was solid, obviously. He was outplayed by Carrigan. Oh, yeah. But I thought he was still solid. Yeah, I thought he moved more into a prop role when um, he did. At what, Lindsay at, went off. There was one point where Carrigan and Tino were our props. And Grant came on and Hunt dropped back to lock. Yeah. Um, Harry Grant, I gave an eight. Just added so much spark off the bench. Yep. It, it's his natural role. Coming in off the bench to attack forwards, and he did it superbly. Um, Jai Arrow, five. I just didn't see much impact from Jai. 
Uh, what did he have? Eight carries, 80 meters, 26 tackles, only the one miss. Yeah, solid, not spectacular. Yeah, and He's Tommy doing... Gilbert, sorry. Sorry, but Arrow was doing a solid, solid bit of ball playing as well, to be fair. Yeah, uh, 11 touches for him as well. Interesting yeah, to note. Three passes, which is more than what Nanai and Papali did in the same or more touches. And Gilbert, and Tom... Gilbert didn't pass at all. So. Yeah, uh, perfect segue. Tom Gilbert, I gave a seven. Um, solid in defense for his opening stint, especially up against those New South Wales forwards. Uh, really did his job for me. I mean, let's just put it this way. 78 minutes, all right? On debut on as a bench in forward. Cauldron, in the cider. I don't think it matters how good you play. It's always going to be a performance that gets remembered. And the fact that Gilbert did so much work defensively as well really shows how level his head is and how calm and collected he was. Indeed, he was. So that takes the Queensland total to 103 out of 150. So if we put that into our calculator, that gives us an average score. Uh, it's an average of 68%, which isn't bad. Yeah, very. <laughs> but if we divide that by 15, the average mark was 6.8. Not bad. Now... New South Wales, we have some harsh ones here, just as a warning. Uh, James Tedesco, I gave a nine. Best on the park in the beaten side. Yeah, 100%. 292 run meters. I genuinely think... A lot of people make out that he didn't have a try contribution all series. But? But I still think if New South Wales had have won, he could have been the Wally Lewis medalist. Come on, it was good enough for Billy Slater. Oh, exactly, so... <laughs> Uh, Brian Toto, I gave a six. Mountain of work coming out of yardage once again. Post-contact meters, huge as well, as well as a quick play, the ball speed of 3.49. Yeah, he he caused us a lot more issue than I think we sort of expected him to. But yeah. that's the player Brian Toto is. Yeah, uh, Matt Burden, I gave a five. A bit of a fall from grace, only four carries for 25 meters though. Uh, his kicking game was largely ineffective outside of that one bomb. The other uh, two kicks backfired, in my view, spectacularly. And at the end of the day, um, Queensland really nullified the impact that Matt Burden had on this game. Yeah, I think it surprised the Maroons how Burden was used in Game 2. They were a lot more ready for it in Game 3. Yeah, and he also, lost a, he also lost a point for his boxing skills. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Stephen Crichton, I gave a four. Um, poor defensive misreads, that stupid offload, um, lack of ability to take big carries coming off his own end, too, um, is the reason why I've given him this grade. Yeah, I agree. He he was virtually non existent when New South Wales were bringing the ball up the field. Mm hmm. Um, which is different from what we've seen at Clubland from Stephen Crichton. Yeah, I mean, it says he had, what, 11 carries and... 95 metres. Putters. But... It didn't feel like it. No, it didn't. And Tupo had 21 touches of the ball. And, I mean, look at this. One missed tackle, three ineffective tackles. Mm-hmm. For the amount... Of, like, obviously, Burton had worse defending numbers. And Tupo as well. Yeah, but for the amount of traffic that was coming through Crichton's side, to have, you know, four bad tackles out of 25, it's pretty, at, at an origin level, that's pretty concerning. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Tupo, I gave a five. Um, same reason. He was a little bit more involved, which is why the grading's above Crichton, uh, especially coming off yardage. Uh, 71 post-contact metres, only James Tedesco was better as far as the New South Wales side uh, was concerned. In fact, for the whole game, only Ponga and Tedesco were higher post-contact metres. I uh, did drop the bomb, obviously, but ultimately, I think it was a pretty solid outing from Tupo. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jerome Luai, I gave a five, bagged a try, but to me, it seems like... He struggles to... I've put him in the same boat as some of those players. I put him in the same boat as Cody Walker because 
once he's in a game, he's in. But once he's out of the game, you struggle to get him back in. Yeah, exactly. He becomes a passenger. He needs to have the momentum going forward in order for him to play at his best. And I think, you know, well, I mean, just look at it this way. He had 28 touches. Daniel Tupper had 21. Mm-hmm. You know, Tedesco had 35. Cleary had 66. When your halves are... Look at Isaiah Yellen. Look at, just look at the Bulldogs at the start of the season. When one half is touching the ball way more than the other, it just makes the defense so much easier to attack which half is getting the ball. And because the one could get into the game, it really affected New South Wales' ceiling. Yeah. So um, Nathan Cleary, I gave a five. Good first half, had to grab a kick for the try. But to me, in the second half, when New South Wales were coming out of yardage, I think the kick selection was probably a little bit poor. Um, there was a few times when they were trapped inside their own 20. I would have maybe been content to go for a 20-40. Just try mm. something different to come out of your own end. He got. I would have done the same, but he got completely outfoxed by DCE. And Dearden. Um, well, in particular, Terry Evans. But yeah, Dearden was up there too. Um, you know, I think the worst was at the end of the game where it's clear New South Wales need to try and score and clearly picked up, you know, three bombs that only got past the 10-meter line. Yeah, do you want, do we, do we bring up the Twitter spheres from today already? <laughs> Let's leave that alone for a little bit. Because seriously, this news, this bloke on Twitter, his name is Get Messy. And he's already put up a Nathan Cleary attacking analysis. Well, he's done that for the other two games too. And it is full of Microsoft Paint arrows and drawing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Junior Barlow, I gave a seven. Another solid performance from him. Um, good first stint. He matched it with Josh Papali'i, I felt, coming through, starting the game. 14 carries, 126 metres. You can't ask more from your starting prop for me. Yeah, definitely. And considering the fact he played 44 minutes too, we don't normally see him play that many minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. I thought his impact was very, very strong. I think the decision to put him in the starting side was the right one. Um, yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. Um, Appy, I gave a five. Yeah. I just, with him, he's brought in as this runner-type option at hooker. And he had seven runs for 20 metres. It was just largely ineffective for me. But he was a rock in defence. I mean, only 29 tackles. That's what it suggests otherwise. But how many did he miss? He only missed two and one ineffective. I mean... I wouldn't exactly call him a rock, but maybe maybe a slightly larger than average pebble, we'll say. Uh, Jake Trebojevic, I gave a five. Well, I just Um, realized something. What? I'm just going through the stats here. Api Corusau had 96 touches, but apparently passed the ball seven times. (laughs) I don't know how that works. Quantum physics. Quantum physics, mate. Uh, but Jake Trebojevic, um, not 43 tackles. That's good. 22 touches. Good. But the bloke's a human pillow in attack. 29 contact meters. For, for, for a guy who's supposed to be the premier forward in the league. Yeah, it's alarming. It's alarming. But the defensive attribute is what you need at origin level. And I said it a few weeks ago, and I didn't get widely slammed for it, but it puts me in a mould of Bunny Riley because not the best attacking player in the world, but a link player and a solid defender is exactly who you need at representative level. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. I can understand why he's picked. The problem I have is they have a basically identical player in Liam Martin. To me, Which... you really need one of those guys. You don't need two. Which we're about to get to. Liam Martin, four. Uh, nine carries, 63 metres in 80 minutes of football, I think's pathetic. Um, what else? He had 40 tackles, eight missed or ineffective. Again, not good. Um, 
I'm going to say it now. Also, 31 contact meters, which is only slightly better than Verbo. I'm going to say now his origin career is over. I think the only thing that's saving him is that Kansas connection. Yes. And I think if Fitz is smart, he'll end the experiment after what we saw last night. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Yo, I gave a six. Uh, The link man for the Panthers, sorry, for the New South Wales attack. Oh, shit. (laughs) I said New South. I said said Penrith instead of New South Wales. This is what happens when you live in the area and you get swamped all week. (laughs) But yes, Isaiah Yo, solid once again. 17 carries, 95 metres. Defensively very sound as well. And for me... I think that the New South Wales are losing and the rise of guys like Carrigan and Tino could see him miss the Australian side. I think it depends on how Mal Meninga wants to go about attacking with the footy. I think if he wants to have that lock who's going to attack the line, you know, he would go with either Carrigan or Tino or maybe even Ruben Cotter. Add him to the mix as well. Yeah, but I think if he if he's willing to base the team around Isaiah Yo, Isaiah Yo will be the first choice lock in my opinion. It's just you have to base the team around him. Yeah. Um. Onto the bench now, Damian Cook free. We were touching before about Origin periods being over. I think we just saw Damian Cook's last game for New South yeah. Wales. Yeah, um, well, it's clear as they Coruscant's passing by. I think unless Coruscant absolutely shocks it at the Tigers, he'll be he'll be the first choice hooker next season. But guys I mean, like Reese Robson have jumped yeah, in. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. You look at guys like Reese Robson, they could easily slide into the number nine role as well. Uh-huh. So it's just, um, it, it sucks, obviously. We don't want to see origin careers end like this. But, but you know... 28 minutes against Tyron forwards, and he only had two carries. That's the problem I've got. Yeah. Um, Jacob Saifidi, I gave a seven. Might uh-huh. be higher for some. Um, look, I'm happy with his, you know, most of his game. But I think the error at the play of the ball, when New South Wales finally had a chance to get into Queensland's half, I think that really hurts. Yeah, that was not good at all for the young kid. I felt sorry for him. Yeah. Where was Definitely. it? It was the 47th minute. Yeah. Because you mean, got the, the I, tally card. So you got the penalty for the late shot on Cleary. Yeah. And then I think it was, a, I, put a, I put it as a big result. And it was a big result. Just for the other team. <laughs> uh, Angus Crichton. Um, also, 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 it's a cash to call him a youngster. He's exactly the same age as Daniel Saifidi. I'm in an origin level. True. Uh, Angus Crichton, I gave a six. Being tasked to play 73 minutes with Cam Murray's untimely departure. Uh, 17 carries, 128 metres, 58 post-contact metres. Uh, 29 tackles, but however, the defensive inefficiencies, there you go, AJ, that Roosters fans have pointed out all season, reared their ugly head, six misses, one ineffective tackle. However, you know what you're going to get from him on a weekly origin basis. Has he been able to get his contract registered by the Roosters yet? No. Technically a free agent. Yes. He has had talks with Parramatta and the Tigers. It makes me wonder whether or how they'll look at this game and think, okay, six missed tackles. If we sign this guy, do we want him to improve his defense or are we willing to take him as is? Mate, we employ Paul Momorowski. We had to buy him a tackling bag for his birthday. <laughs> true, true. Um, CC for Talakai, I gave a three. Um, where do I begin? Uh, Here, let me put it this way, okay? I, I, I'll begin. Let me put it this way. CSC for Talakai 
is the Maru Vardivay of this generation. <laughs> absolutely. Minus the drugs, first of all. Of course. Hang on, how did but, he get sacked? How did he get sacked at um, South Sydney again? Okay, maybe add the drugs. Um, <laughs> uh, but he is rocks of diamonds. You know, sometimes he will give you a performance that makes you think, wow, this guy's the best player in the world. And then sometimes he'll give you a performance where you realize what he is. That's a, you know, a flimsy center who can beat up smaller players but struggles to keep up with faster ones. Yeah. Um, here's a tweet from Ty- at Tiger2047. Talakai is joined Anthony Quinn and Steve Turner tonight. Hopefully that's the last we'll see of him in a New South Wales jersey. Ooh. Add Nathan Merritt, Phil Duke, Phil Sigsworth. Yeah, Hazel Mazri as well. Hazel Mazri. Who else is a one-time origin player? Let's have a think. Hopalade, uh, John Hopalade. He was one time. Yeah, John Hopalade, of course, famous for being the shit out of Danny Moore. <laughs> and also sticking his finger up his bum. That did not happen at origin level. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> Raper. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that takes the average to 82. Sorry, not the average, the total to 82 and the, an average of 5.18. So it's not pretty reading for New Ow. South Wales fans. Jeez. And that was divided by 16, of course, not 15, due to the fact that that's how many players were left eligible for a player rating. Yeah, gee, that that is a... Wow. I wasn't expecting it to be that way. But anyway, it is time for our prestigious Lol Cow of the Origin. Ah, this was hard. But Andrew Johns is our Lol Cow this week. You know why? He is our Lol Cow because of his whinging in the post-game show. It looked like he was having a breakdown because the ecstasy he's on didn't work. Oh, dear. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is this how we're going to do it? We're going all straight away. Pardon? Is, we're not holding back any punches, are we? Mate, Andrew Johns was done from TV commentary a long time ago. Yeah. It's bad when Maddie Johns is the smarter brother and isn't even in the conversation, yet Joey somehow an immortal and can barely string together two sentences. He just needs to stick to Gary McDonald's ads, in my opinion. Don't call, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> but, Reese, what did you pick out from the decider? Oh, man, oh, man. There was... There was some moments. Um, but... I'm going to give it to, well, this might suck a little bit for you, but I'm going to give it to Daniel Tupo for completely breaking the mold of origin because it's supposed to be state against state, mate against mate. Just because he went and, and helped obviously, Lindsay Collins. Yeah, obviously what he did was respectable. I don't want to take it away from that, but the moment he took the hit up, and then seeing the fear in his face when he realised it was his Roosters teammate that got knocked out. To me, you know, just from it being an Origins perspective, we've watched Arthur Beetson and Cronin go at it as teammates in Origin before. Yep, we saw, as I mentioned, John Opawadi, Danny Moore. Yep. And I just feel like, you know, it's just so against what we have been told Origins is built upon. It's just funny. It is funny, even, but... Even though I can respect what he did. Yeah. Um, my headline, I was in a Discord chat with my League Unlimited team last night and we were picking apart who we should give the free two ones to. And I was just like, free Talakai two to two, Po. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like to them, I don't want to piss people completely off. He's like... And then they're like, but you've got to do it in your free two ones. So I'm just like, I'll do it in the headline. So my headline is... Where's the origin shield? That's in Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. Oh, that joke never gets old. It never gets old. But my friend, that will wrap us up for the League Scenes look at the origin series. From here on out, 
We will return to our weekly format on Monday, unless any emergency stories come up that we'll have to do a special edition for during the week. But, Reese, my friend, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What an origin series we were privileged to sit down and watch and talk about. You did say we were having a return of the classic origin series earlier this year. You didn't disappoint. Yeah, and I said it could go either way. Dead on the money. Dead on the money. We'll catch you next week for our recap of the round 18. Take care, everyone. See you guys.